Welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler teaches the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical Christian principles that empower all people with real-life timeless applications for daily kingdom living. Now here's your host, Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler, sharing kingdom truths for kingdom living. Well, praise the name of the Lord, everybody. We are excited about God's word on this day. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We pray for every listener that they will hear your word and receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue our sermon series titled, God's Supernatural Power. I will be reading in your hearing from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Our first biblical principle in this series is God's supernatural power is activated and experienced through prayer. Our second principle, as we develop inner strength, our third biblical principle is God's supernatural power is activated and experienced when Christ settles down in our hearts. Our fourth principle is when we function in Christ's love. Our fifth biblical principle is God's supernatural power is activated and experienced when we know Christ's love on a deeper level. Our sixth principle, when we seek truth. And our seventh principle is God's supernatural power is activated and experienced when we take the limits off of God. Now let's continue. The Apostle Paul prays in Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Now to him begins a hymn of praises to God. It's called a doxology. Paul is praising God the Father as he begins his prayer to the Father in Ephesians 3 verse 14. He closes this prayer 
with a mighty outburst of praise and worship. Paul sends the praises to our great, all-powerful, sovereign Lord. He knows that his power has no limits. God is more powerful than anything. And upon close examination, we see God's unlimited power on display in so many passages in the Bible. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, God's unlimited power is on display in creation. It reads as follows. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. In the book of Job, chapter 26, verse 14, it reads, Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways, and how small a whisper we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? We also see God's unlimited power on display when he parted the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. We see that same power that caused the wall of Jericho to fall down flat. In Joshua chapter 6 verse 20, it says, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. It is also by God's great power that the Jordan River and its banks dried up. In the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Could it be that Paul learned this powerful lesson from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Jesus ended the Lord's prayer, our model prayer, in Matthew 6, verse 13, with praise and worship, as Paul does in this text. Matthew six thirteen reads, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus Christ is our supreme model. And if Jesus closes out the model prayer with praise, and Paul closes out his prayer with praise, how much more we as believers ought to follow their example during our prayer time. Let's continue Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able. The word able in this text means to be capable, strong and powerful. It's in the present active tense, which means God is continually able. He is never deficient in his strength or his divine ability or his power. 
Nothing can stop God's power. All throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we are reminded of what God is able to do by his power. The prophet Isaiah reminds us that God is able to deliver our souls from the pit of corruption. According to Isaiah chapter 38, verse 17, the psalmist reminds us that God is able to deliver us from all our fears, to rescue us from our enemies, to redeem our soul from the power of the grave. God is able to redeem our lives from destruction, to deliver us out of trouble and from our strong enemy. God is able to deliver us from those who hate us. And that's just the name of you. But the Apostle Paul teaches us in the New Testament from our previous verses in Ephesians 3.19 that God is able to reveal to us the love of Christ and fill us with all his fullness. And that is so powerful. In the book of James chapter 4 verse 12, the Bible teaches us that God is able to save and to destroy. In the book of Jude, verse 24, it's confirmed that God is able to keep us from falling and to make a stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. We also find in the Bible, in the book of Hebrew, chapter 7, verse 25, that God is able to save us completely to the uttermost. God is able God's power is sovereign. Nothing can stand or get in God's way. One Bible commentator put it this way. Beloved, remember that whatever you are experiencing this day, there is coming a better day, a glorious day, because our God is able to guard what we have entrusted in him until that day. Paul continues his praises to the Lord in the doxology. And he says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. The phrase far more means beyond measure, extraordinary, or exceedingly super abundantly. The phrase abundantly beyond means for the sake of, or over, beyond, or more than. Paul's last prayer request in verse 19 was for the saints to be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the highest request. And if we think that's on a high plane, we haven't seen anything yet. God is able to do far more exceedingly abundantly beyond what we ask or think. We cannot fully understand or imagine or conceive what God will do. The word ask in this text means to beg, to call for, to crave, to desire, or to require. It denotes asking with a sense of urgency. The word think means 
to perceive with the mind, to understand, or to ponder. In this text, the Apostle Paul is praising God for his ability and power that are above all things. There are no limits. And God's supernatural power is activated and experienced when we take the limits off God. God is able to go way beyond what we ask over and beyond what we desire in our prayers. There is no end to what God can do for us. Paul uses all these superlatives. And superlatives are just simply exaggerated or hyperbolical expressions of praise. Paul wants the saints and us to know and experience the power of God, the love of Christ, and the fullness of God. The power of God goes beyond all things. His power is eternal and absolute and transcendent. One commentary writer stated, There is nothing of which we ask God that he is not capable, and yet our imaginations cannot conceive of the extent of his power and ability. Our prayers are small compared with his power. And you might say, Bible teacher Tyler, I have not experienced that kind of power that goes beyond all things. What's happening? What's holding me back? Could it be that sometimes when we pray, we ask for too little or We cannot see beyond our problems or challenges. Do we place limits on God's power? I love this hymn by John Newton. The title is, Come My Soul, Thy Suit Prepare. The lyrics are, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Could it be that maybe we forget that we serve a big, big God, the God of all creation? We serve the God of the universe. Or could it be we are walking in unbelief? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We place the limits on God when we doubt his word or reduce him to a human being with human limitations. God is not man. We find in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike that God's people were in sin because they limited the eternal, all-powerful God. The children of Israel limited God. In Psalm chapter 78, verse 41 to 42, it says, Yes, Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. In the New Testament, the disciples limited God. One day, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus for salvation and left sorrowful because he had all these possessions, the disciples asked Jesus, who can be saved? In Matthew 19, 26, the Bible says, But Jesus looked at them and said to them, 
With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 24, the Sadducees limited God in their unbelief about the resurrection. It reads, Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken? Because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. When we take the limits of God, God's supernatural power is activated and experienced in our lives. All we have to do is believe God, have faith in God. Paul believed God. And this word speaks to us today. We can decide in our hearts that we are going to believe God no matter what. Jesus put it this way in the book of St. John, chapter 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God shows us the church to work his power through us and to do those greater works. The Apostle Paul continues in Ephesians 3.20. The last part of that verse says, according to the power that works within us. That word power, again, comes from the Greek word deutimus. It's also found in verse 16. Paul prays in Ephesians 3.16 that God would strengthen us with power through his spirit in the inner man. The word power appears again, and it simply means dynamite or power for performing miracles. The word works comes from the Greek word energeo. It means to be operative at work or to put forth power. Energeo is in the present active tense. It's an ongoing work. God's unlimited power, his divine energy is working within us through the person of the Holy Spirit. We are enabled, equipped, and empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. He will accomplish his work in us and through us and allow us to know and experience the love of Christ and the fullness of God. Now let's continue Ephesians 3, 21 says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him in this phrase is the same as in verse 20, a doxology and benediction. Glory in this text means splendor, brightness, honor, radiance, our majesty. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, and it simply means the called out ones. Paul closes his prayer giving glory to God. God's glorious power is at the heart and the life of the church. It is manifested in the church. And all throughout scripture, we see where God's people experience God's glory and manifested presence. The children of Israel experience God's Shekinah glory in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night 
during their 40 years in the wilderness. Daniel testifies of God's glory. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 22, it says, It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. God's glory is often referred to as his brilliant, bright, transcendent light. David writes and testifies of God's glory in Psalm 19, verse 1. It reads, The heavens tell of the glory of God, and their expanse declares the works of his hands. The Apostle Paul testifies about the glory of God in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 16, and says, God dwells in unapproachable light. In the modern day church, we sing songs about the glory of God. And one of them came out a few years ago, Worthy of It All by David Brimer. The lyrics go, you are worthy of it all. From you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. One commentary writer so beautifully stated, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. God is to be glorified in the church among the company of the redeemed. And as his glorious power flows and works in us, the church begins to move in the greatness of God's revelation of the love of Christ and the fullness of his power. It is in the church that God has chosen us to experience the measureless love of Christ and the infinite power of the Holy Spirit and fullness of God. And we are reminded in the book of Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, that God will not share his glory. It reads, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Now let's continue. The last part of Ephesians 3.21 says, In Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul ascribes adoration, praise, and glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the center of it all. Our lives are built on him. In Psalm chapter 29, verse 2, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 96, verses 1 to 3 declares, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among the people. Jesus Christ deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praises. And as we continue, the word generations in this verse comes from the Greek word genomai, which means father, birth, nativity, family, or 
the successive member of a genealogy are ages. The word forever comes from the Greek word ion, and it simply means perpetuity of time, eternity, or an unbroken age. Literally, it means unto all the generations of the age of the ages. One commentary stated, the master workman who has wrought in the church through the presence of his beloved son and the power of his mighty spirit to make it the manifestation of his glory, both now and throughout all the ages be praised. The church of Jesus Christ is an eternal entity and we will forever be offering up praises to God age after age and all throughout eternity. And then Paul finishes the prayer and says, Amen. Amen means let it be so. And it acknowledges that which is valid and binding and serves as a word of affirmation. God's supernatural power is activated and experienced First biblical principle through prayer, second biblical principle as we develop inner strength. Our third principle is when Christ settles down in our hearts, God's supernatural power is activated and experienced. Our fourth principle is when we function in Christ's love. Number five, when we know Christ's love on a deeper level, our sixth principle is when we seek truth and our seventh principle is when we take the limits off God. Now let's look at some practical applications. We must repent if there's any area in our lives that is not submitted to God's dominance and control. Number two, we must yield to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. Number three, we must incorporate praise and worship in our daily prayer time, and we can use the book of Psalms as a guide. Number four, we must always give God the glory and honor due to his name. And you might ask, Bible teacher Tyler, who is this Jesus? Well, the Bible declares in Romans 10, 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for salvation that's taking place all around the globe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.